All right, Justin, I'm going to go a little easier on you this time. Sing me the song that is currently stuck in my head right now. Uh, I will give I you don't a hint. Want the world no, 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 to hold on, Justin. Me. You're wrong. So just stop. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint and let you try again. This song was in the movie we are talking about tonight. Now, it is a different version of it, but the song is in the movie we're talking about tonight. I know, because they did a tight remix of that Toxic Britney song, so I hope it better be that. Intoxicate me now. Oh, you know what you do, because you know that you're toxic. It's that. That's what you got in your head. It is. You are actually correct. Because I had it in my head. Because I, I was head. going to, I literally already had that as my answer before you even said it was from this movie. All right. Hold on. I'll, I will give you a chance to still get a point, Heather. But yes, Justin, you do get a point. Because that like creepy orchestral remake of Toxic was fucking amazing. Yeah. That was sick, dude. It I had it in my so, notes. I was going to compliment that. It was so subtle. And at first I didn't realize it was what it was until I heard the, and I was like, motherfucker, is that toxic? Yeah, it and was so good. It, and I was listening to it, and I was like, motherfucker, that is toxic. And I love that song. So yeah, me too. You get a point, Justin. Now, Heather, you, the way you can get a point is you just have to sing some toxic, too. Okay. Um, With the taste of your lips, I'm on a run. You're toxic, I'm slipping under. All right, there you go. You get a point, too. Good, because I was ready for that before you even mentioned it, because it's been in my head, too, so. <laughs> That's why I was trying to get you to, like, st stop singing the fucking Goo Goo Dolls, Justin, because I was like, Justin, I was going to give you the hint. <laughs> that was a good choice, though, because Goo Goo Dolls are pretty no, great. So. Not. It's, no, it's not. At no point is singing Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls a good choice. This isn't 1990. That's the song in your heart, dude, where everything's made to be broken. I just want you to know who I am. This is not a I Meg Ryan, Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> I do love that, like, Justin didn't even have to think about it. Like, that's just the first song that he was like, oh, this is it. And that's very troubling, Justin. Now... Now there is an opportunity for bonus points. The first person that can tell me the original name that the Goo Goo Dolls were going to go by gets an extra bonus point. Oh, I should know this because I love them. And this is on um, a ticking clock. So if I feel like enough time has passed that you looked it up, you don't get it. <laughs> now, I really the, feel like I used to know this, but I don't. They're the Goo Goo Dolls. The Gaga Dolls? No. So their their original Damn. name was gonna be the Sex Maggots. Oh, you're right. I do. I did know that. You're Damn. right. Damn, that's a yeah. They Different really vibe. did a, a sharp turn <laughs> on that because they just want us to know who they are. You know, those, I love the Goo Goo Dolls. You know those music channels that are all in the like 900s on a basic cable package. Yes. Yeah, that's where I learned that fact. Because you know how like <laughs> when a, like the song's playing, they just give you random facts about the song and the band. Or learn yeah. that. So I get a bonus point because I knew it. So whoever, well, whoever arbitrarily keeps track of these points, we all three got points on this one. Okay. So on that note, here's the song.
Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are talking about a an Academy Award-nominated movie for Best Picture and some other awards that we'll get into later. Also, with Promising Young Woman. I hope I said that right. Uh, we will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. We will go spoiler-free, give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. Now, can you guys confirm that I did say that title right? You did. Let's see, there we go. Promising mm-hmm. Young Woman. All right. So with with uh, the different sections, there will be time codes in the description below that will, you know, allow you to jump around if necessary. So with that, let's start us off by Justin. What are your spoiler-free thoughts about this movie? Cool, cool. Man, uh, this director, Emerald Fennel. Is that how you say that? Fennel, Fennel. We're going with Fennel. Man, trying to change the game, huh? Trying to say something, huh? Now, um, uh, this was, um, I like this movie. I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, it, though, uh, I guess I do, I do think, though, again, kind of like in, in similar places where I was with like, Nomad Land and stuff like that. I don't know how other people will receive this. Um, and I'll definitely be able to kind of go into some specifics of that, like why I think this could polarize some people or why people may feel sort of a certain way about it. But man, this movie, uh, I, I think the the biggest, the, the biggest strength of this movie or what I liked about it the most is... Um, it's just the fact that I think that not only did it kind of, it juggled a lot of hats. I think that's the best phrase I'm looking for. This movie juggled a lot of hats. Like there were parts where I felt like maybe this was like a vigilante, almost kind of like super hero movie. Then there are parts where it's like a dark comedy. There are parts where it's like a romance comedy. There are parts where it's kind of like a mystery like it, it balances all of these themes and all of these things. And even though in some ways, tonally, you you may be able to argue that that kind of hurts it. I think overall, the plane landed for me with this, like the story that it's trying to tell, the allegory about rape culture and just kind of kind of turning that mirror on that subject. And what this says about it and and kind of the the messages that are here are definitely conversation starters, um, are definitely things that people should be talking about and need to talk about, talk about. So it's a very important movie, but it's all done in kind of a very entertaining way. It's well shot. The cinematography is good. Um, this is kind of one of those um, actor vehicles, I think, where it's really just one actor and they put on a show. Though there were some other good performances in this. There were some really good performances in this. But really, this is really just about Carrie Mulligan and her performance as Cassandra in this. She's excellent in this. And so I can totally understand why 
she is in the Oscar talks and why she's nominated and stuff like that. I get it. I, I Watching this and seeing what she was doing and all of these emotions she had to convey with this character and all the motivations that this character has on this sort of revenge plot adventure. She balances all of that. And this movie works because of her. It works because She's charming when she needs to be. She's angry when she needs to be. The distraught, all of it comes across in Mulligan's performance. So, yeah, man, it it definitely is one of the stronger acting performances I've seen this year. And among these Oscar bait or Oscar worthy or Oscar talked movies that we've got this year, uh, she definitely delivered one one of the strong performances. So I understand where the praise is coming from. Uh, so yeah, even though there, I do think there are some problems with this film, it's not perfect by any means, but I think that the sum of its parts and the important messages that it has uh, make it a worthwhile feature. So yeah, um, thumbs up for me. Heather, what about you? This movie has a very original take on revenge films. And I kind of loved it. There's a lot of reasons I think this works and why I think it sets it apart from other types of revenge films about um, these topics. And I know we will definitely get into it. And there's just so much to say about it in general, but like not to get too, you know, spoilery or anything, but like, I just, I feel like um, the, the lack of violence in this type of revenge film is refreshing, but also interesting because I just, I haven't really seen a lot of them where it's not, you know, overly violent and gory in that sense. And, um, I thought that was interesting. Um, but in general, I feel like this movie is definitely, um, it's edgy, you know, it's one of those where you, you got to go into it knowing that it's going to be an uncomfortable movie in a lot of ways. But it's definitely a very worthwhile movie. And it's a really interesting story. I was pretty much captivated from the very first scene of the movie. I think the way that they shot the film, I think the way that they told the story and how the story played out was really well done. There's elements of mystery throughout it, even to the very end. Um, There are twists that, for me, were unexpected twists. I think that Carrie Mulligan does a fantastic job. I think I'm also used to seeing her mostly in like period piece movies or roles. And so having her, seeing her in more of like a modern role was kind of cool. And she did a really great job. I think this is probably one of my favorite performances of hers. Um, It's just a really, honestly, it's like a subtly, maybe not even subtly, but like, it's just a, it's a powerful film in a different way than you might think it would be in in this like it just it brings up yeah the whole rape culture topic but just the kind of the take that they do on it and the way that they portray certain people who are easily stereotyped in these situations is really interesting and very thoughtfully done even the characters that you kind of hate and the characters that you are totally not rooting for it's a it's a unique take on them as well. So I think that the storytelling, the characters, and how they are told is really good. Um, 
a lot of things threw me for a loop on this one. But, and it's, it's one of those where there are parts in it when I was absolutely like cringing, but in the way of like, I'm so anxious to see what is about to happen right now. (laughs) And I think that they did such a good job with the suspense of certain moments in this film. And it's really well shot. Like it's a beautiful film. Um, just the edginess they bring to it and like everything that they do with this is it just really works. I'm a, really a big fan of this movie. I think it was really, really good. And um, it kind of is a game changer in some ways. And I just really, for a movie like this to be in that category of like a best film, it says something about changes that are happening, you know, in Hollywood and in, in the world and things like that. And, you know, I think, you know, 10 years ago, you might have not seen a movie like this being even considered for that category, but it's just, it's something to talk about. And it's, it's a worthwhile movie about very important things. I think this is a very important movie. And in a lot of ways, it's revenge a lot in a psychological way, a lot of the things that happen and we'll get into that. But I was kind of floored by this. Like, I really liked this movie. I think of the Oscar-type movies that are kind of in that category right now, this is probably one of my favorites. I just think it's really well done, and it was um, a risky movie to do, but I think that the risk paid off. When this is especially compared to the last two Oscar movies that we talked about, which was Mank and Nomadland... To me personally, I feel like this is leaps and bounds better than both those movies. I know, I know Justin really liked Nomad Land, and we were kind of all low on Mank. Maybe not as low as me, but we were all kind of low on Mank. And this one was one of those ones, though, that I feel like it is deserved of the praise it's got. We, we kind of talked about. Uh, the picture is nominated for Best Picture before we start recording. And of all those movies, I've seen all but two now, which is like Minera and The Father are the only two I haven't seen now at this point. Now, I do think some other movies deserve to be in there that weren't, like One Night in Miami or even Defy Bloods and stuff like that. But for the most part, I do agree with some of them. Like The Trial of the Chicago 7, I think is a fantastic movie. The Sound of Metal, which I know a lot of people haven't seen, but it's on it's on Amazon Prime. It's a fantastic movie with Riz Ahmed, which I know the last time we talked about Riz Ahmed on this podcast was for the Venom movie. And I feel like if that's your impression of Riz Ahmed, you don't really understand why he's amazing because that movie is garbage. And he was relatively unspectacular in it, being the main bad guy. But... When you go back to like see where I first came across him, which was The Night Of uh, on HBO and then The Sound of Metal, he is fucking fantastic. And so then when this movie comes along and, and we, you know, we watch it and I do see it in its place as being one of those ones nominated for Best Picture. I think uh, I agree with Heather. I when you when you watch a lot of these vigilante-esque movies it typically gets very violent and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. I would have been fine with that to a degree. Um, But I liked seeing the twist of it in this because it does come across like she's going to fuck some motherfuckers up. And yeah, 
you know, I, I like the way they handled it in this. I like the way, I know Jasmine was talking about how this movie kind of wears several hats and has some tonal shifts and stuff like that. But I think the beauty of this movie and the director, who I am happy is nominated for Best Director, is the fact that it handles those tonal shifts very, very well. To me, it didn't feel like it, it was a jarring shift. Because a lot of movies, sometimes when they go through tonal shifts, it's jarring, you know. And the way the director did it in this, I think, is very subtle. And it, it, it transitions smoothly and it works very well. Uh, I thought Carrie Mulligan was great. I was really kind of surprised with Bo Burnham, which he he was great, yeah. You know, and he did he did a fantastic movie back in the day. I say back in the day, like a year year or two ago, called Eighth Grade, uh, which he wrote and directed. But like Bo Burnham's known for his like stand up comedy and like his comedic songs. He's not really known for being like a fantastic actor, and while. A lot of his character in this is kind of playing into him and what he does with his charm on stage doing stand-up and stuff like that. I thought he just did a very good job, you know? And I, yeah. I, I thought that that was kind of surprising. I thought, you know, one of the, to me, the most, like, weird things was watching some of these actors play some of these shitty asshole guys, you know? When you have, like, a, what, an Adam Brody and a Christopher Mintz-Ploss and... And him, you, 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 in Bo, in Bo Burnham to a degree, like in what's his name, the guy from uh, New Girl, Max Greenfield. Yeah, that guy. Like it's weird sometimes seeing them play some of these roles, and I guess that's like kind of the beauty of this movie is it does subvert your expectations a lot. That's the point, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it also gets into a very interesting thing, especially kind of topically now. When you do have like the sexual assault or like the sexual inappropriateness allegations against like Tom uh, Middle uh, Thomas Middleditch, and then you go look at back at one of his interviews where he was talking about the same type of allegations against T.J. Miller, and he talks about how you know it becomes like a minefield for the guy, or it's very dangerous you know to be a guy now and stuff like that because of stuff like this. And this movie kind of shows you how it's not, that's not completely true. You know, that there are still a lot of institutions and a lot of people and a lot of, of, of systems that are still in place to still help guys get around that. Even when they're accused of stuff. And, you know, this movie kind of shows how those systems can like, systematically also affect other people you know when you get into things like sexual assault and all this other stuff so many people only focus on like just the victim or just the attacker or something like that and they don't always really like play into the other people that can be affected by stuff like this in a good and bad way there are people that you know just through complicity are a part of it and are affected by it and can expound upon what happened and the damage that's caused. You know, there are lots of, there, there are a few things in this movie that I do feel were left a little too vague and I wish they were a little bit more specific on some stuff. But as a whole, I think this movie does a very good job of showing 
in a lot of ways, like the pitfalls of being a woman sometimes in our society and what some males do try to take advantage of, whether it's just them or the systems or anything when it comes to some of that stuff and how it is kind of hard to tell who really has the best intentions like in mind. And I thought this movie handled a very tough subject in a very smart and very well thought out way. I don't feel like they were really haphazardly uh, executed ideas in this movie. I think this movie had a very clear goal in mind and the director and writer of this movie did a very good job of ultimately succeeding at her goal. And so, yeah, I really did enjoy this movie. And plus, like we talked about earlier, it's got a fantastic orchestral arrangement of Toxic by Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. So, recommendations and scores? Yep. Yep. Recommendations and scores. All right, Heather, go. First, they also did a really good rendition of It's Raining Men. Uh, that was a really good rearrangement of that song, too. Um and fun fact, the director and writer, Emerald Fennell, is the YouTube makeup artist that you see her looking at or watching her videos of. That is the actual director and writer. Oh, well, I thought go. that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend it. I think this is an important movie. I think it's a movie that really does make you think about a lot of aspects of um, rape culture and assault and Again, how men and women are both treated in society in different ways. And um, I think it's great acting. I think the story is unique when it could easily have been a very, you know, paint by numbers sort of thing based on a lot of other movies or stories you might see about this subject matter. But the way, like Sterling said, that they handle this is really well done. It is very smart. It is also very thoughtful. They are not careless in how they approach the subject of anything on in this film. And I really appreciated that. Um, and yeah, I mean, Carrie Mulligan is great in this. And um, Bo Burnham is hella charming. And I didn't expect that from him. <laughs> and just a lot of things with these characters that happen that I'm just like, man, it just this movie was it was heavy. It makes you think. And you leave it and you're just kind of like, wow, it's a movie that for me, at least it stuck with me after I watched it for a little bit. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's it's a heavy one, you know, heavy subject matter, um, you know, things like that. So you got to probably be in the right mindset to want to watch it. But I do think it's definitely one that I recommend people to see. Um, I think my I'm going to give it um, 90 um boxes of old cell phones you kept for the pics out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I also recommend it as well. Um that this is very, very good. And like I said, I think that even though um you know I didn't have a problem with like the 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 different hats that it wears, I think that honestly it made this more fun. It made it more interesting to watch. I think that having all of those things in there is a very difficult thing to do. And anytime a movie can do that, anytime it can go, it can kind of shift from 
thing to thing and you're seeing and you're seeing and feeling some familiar things, but then it finds a way to say something meaningful or say something that's relevant to today's times and stuff like that. Um, I, I know I typically side with movies like that. I was that way last year with Parasite. And in a lot of ways, I think this probably, even though I know you two guys didn't like it, but 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 regardless of that, to me, this is kind of a similar kind of movie as that, where you have these things happening. You have all these different genre things sort of mixed together, but there's this big allegory. There's this big allegory for everything that's happening with the characters. Every character kind of represents something or kind of represents a take or represents an angle or from what we're talking about with rape culture and things like that. And as this tells its story and kind of um, comes to its conclusion, you arrive to a place that's very reflective and there's something to talk about afterwards. And there's really something to appreciate about the messages that are there, what it says about who we are and what we are and things like that. So I think that anytime a movie can do that, it's going to be good in my book. So yeah, this is definitely a very good movie. And I think that everybody does need to see it. I think you're right, Heather, when you say some people may have to be in a certain mood for this and there might be people where they may look at this and, you know, depending on how you look at it, because I, I, I listened and watched and read just some people's reactions to this. And I'll have some things to say about kind of some of the reactions and kind of some answers to those things, but it's kind of spoilery in a way. But uh but but yeah, I think that this is one that everybody needs to see because everybody should be having these conversations. I think that the 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 messages and what this movie is trying to say is of that kind of importance. And we do need to turn that mirror on us. We do need to see this. It is something that we need to talk about, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah, to, for me, this is kind of like that sleeper movie. It may not be the absolute favorite. It may not be the one that um, everybody thinks is going to win or whatever, but man, it definitely feels like one of the more important ones, man. It definitely feels like that. Like as for the ones that I've seen so far in the Oscar lineup, and there's still a few that I do need to see, but this definitely feels like one of the more important ones. Its message is just that it's that big of a message. It's that important. It's that topical of a subject that you just feel like this has that going for it in drones. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I definitely recommend this and you need to be a part of this conversation. And yes, it's dark, it's heavy. It kind of forces you to reevaluate some things, but this is what we need. This is what this country needs if we're going to grow. So any movie that is able to do that for me and others and stuff like that, I'm going to recommend that you see it so we can all become more mature about these conversations and these perspectives. So with that being said, I'm going to give it, we'll go... I think that's fair. We'll go 93. Man, I, what, what should I say? There's so many good things. Well, we'll just go with 93. Uh, Britney Spears' toxic violin 
orchestral remixes out of 100 because that shit was awesome. That was like killer awesome. So we'll go with that. Um, For me, I do recommend it. Uh, I think it's a very well-made movie. I think it does touch on some uh, very important subjects. And I think it does handle them in a very unique and uh, important uh, way. I'm actually going to save more of what I'm going to say for spoilers. So I'll I'll kind of leave it there at that. I do wholeheartedly recommend it. As far as the score goes, uh, I'll give it I'll give it 87. 87 uh your parents giving you suitcases to tell you to move the fuck out on your birthday out of 100. <laughs> um so spoilers? Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. All right. I think we can should kind of just jump into it because I think Justin might want to talk about some of the things I want to talk about with some of this, which is um, there's probably a lot of guys on the internet talking about how this is just like toxic feminism and, you know, it makes guys look bad type of shit. At least that's some of the shit I read. That There is some of that. Yep. I read some of that too. Yep. And honestly, if you feel like this is toxic towards men and stuff like that, I think you kind of need some introspection about your own attitudes with some shit. Because I really don't feel like there's anything in this movie that is harmful to men if you're not being a piece of shit. I mean, I think we all know people that maybe not have done stuff like this, but we all know men that have just like, you know, that just sit there and like catcall women, you know, or, you know, sit there at a bar and they want to, you know, they want, they really want to see, you know, how drunk they can get a woman or, or just how they're so dead set on their, they're a nice guy with stuff. And I've, I've, and so like with that, yeah, now like that shit happens. Like that's a very real thing. Like a lot of the stuff in this movie are very real things. Like, you know, when you have the, the, the scene with Connie Britton and being the Dean and stuff like that and how she's talking about how she just doesn't want to ruin these, these guys lives just because, you know, they were all drunk one night. They don't really need to ruin it. Or, you know, it's just becomes he said, she said. Well, yes, there are elements of that that are true. But when you just kind of sit there and from the onset dismiss allegations, of course you're never going to find anything. Like, of course you're, you know, you're just automatically going to just cause these assumptions. And I'm not saying you should automatically just assume the men are guilty. My stance on it more or less is, is, you should at least treat every allegation as serious. You know, you should take them seriously. You know, you should actually do an investigation. And if there's nothing to be found, there's nothing to be found. You know, that is possible. But you have to actually take it seriously to get to that point. And I think that this movie kind of shows that, you know, that attitude, especially the Connie Britton character of, well, it's just allegations until it's like the possibility that it's her daughter. And then all of a sudden, it's a very, very serious thing. And that's kind of an attitude also that I find very troubling in men, too. When, you know, you're hearing about like a sexual assault allegation in the news or something like that. And, you know, you'll have a media personality be like, you know, a male especially be like, well, you know, I have a daughter. So I take these things very seriously. Or... I have a wife or a sister, so I take these things very seriously. Why can't you take it seriously without having, like, a woman related to you? 
Like exactly. th- that is possible. Yeah. You can take these things seriously, not because you have a mother, which last I checked, everybody does have a mother, <laughs> you know, like everybody has a mother. Now you might not know who your mom is. You might not have a relationship with your mother, any of those things. I understand that, but I'm just saying, I don't like that whole, well, I have a wife, so I take sexual assault very seriously. No, you can do it without having a wife. You can just go, well, this is another human being. I should take their claim seriously. Like, that is an okay attitude. I just want to throw that out there. That you don't have to be married or a father of a daughter or have a sister or have a good relationship with your mother or know who your grandmother is or whatever to, you know, want to take sexual assault allegations seriously. I promise you it's fine. It truly is. And it's just one of those things that I think that that eats me up all the time with this stuff. When stuff like that comes out, they're like, well, you know, ever since I have my daughter, I've been thinking about these things differently. Man, that just means you're openly admitting you were thinking about things very wrong a long time ago. (laughs) And yeah, and I know a lot of like, you know, you see this shit like, oh, I'm tired of this, you know, feminist men hating movie. This movie doesn't hate men. It doesn't. In fact, I would argue a big chunk of this movie is getting you to try to not hate uh, Bo Burnham. And I'm not saying because it's like he's so easily hateable. No, it wants you to root for him, is what I'm saying. But unfortunately, because of the way this movie is, I'm not going to lie, I kind of saw that coming. The whole, oh, he was there that night aspect of it all. Just because of the, like the clues and everything that they were setting up, that you know he knew, they, uh, he knew her from medical school. He was still kind of friends with that guy, you know, and had mentioned him a couple of times. I just knew it was one of those things that was going to happen, that she was going to find out that he knew something about what happened. But I mean, and like I said, though, this movie, it really, it wants you to root for him. It it wants you to root for his relationship with Carrie Mulligan. You know, it wants you to not view men always as predators because I think that that's one of the things that it shows through the Carrie Mulligan character that she did, that that's how she was viewing a lot of men is just as predators. And that the, the Bo Burnham character kind of showed her that she was wrong for doing so, you know, for at least part of the movie. And so I don't agree that this movie is like a man hating movie because I don't feel like it was. I just think that this kind of showed a more realistic portrayal of how some women are just treated by some guys. And just the fact that that has happened and has been normalized for a big chunk of time in our culture, how that actually can affect people. So, yeah. And, um, and just to kind of expand a little bit on what you're saying. Yeah. I I heard some of those uh, people saying that about this movie, but I think that the thing that you have to understand is that the, the movie is trying to tackle rape culture. And when you're talking about something that's a culture, you're not just talking about the act of rape itself, but you're also talking about the bystanders, the people who allowed this to happen, the mentalities of people that kind of don't maybe do what they should do to make sure that these perpetrators are responsible for what they do. The people who sometimes, and so I think that you saw a lot of different people complicit. It wasn't like every man was evil and complicit and did all these things. And then all the women in the movie were innocent. You know, you could, 
we would have just smelled that a mile away. We could have sniffed that out. We would have saw that. And that would have been something to criticize about this movie. But there were women that were complicit, too. You know, there were women in this that didn't do the act, but it was how they reacted to it. It was how they just let it sort of happen and didn't really support the the victim in this case. It was like that Dean who, and I remember there was a line that I wrote down that she said when she was talking to uh, Mulligan's character, when she said, um, when she was talking about her friend and she said, no one wants to admit when they make themselves vulnerable. Like, what? Like that kind yeah. of speech, you know, she got drunk and she was there and she was in a place, you know, that that kind of stuff, man. It's not just the fact of the, it's not just about the people committing the act, but it's about the people and our mentalities and the things we do that allow it to go on. And that's men and women. There were women in this who maybe if they gave a better effort, maybe something could have been done about this, but they didn't either. And I think that's what the bigger message of this is, it, you know, it, yes, of obviously, if you rape a, a, a woman or rape someone, you are guilty. But if you watch it and don't do it and, and just don't try to do something about that, you're complicit. If you know someone who has done this to someone and you'd rather not say because it's a friend or it's a family member or something like that then you're part of the problem. If you are helping, if you are a lawyer and you are helping these people get off on these things, even if there's evidence against them, even if, you know, if you're somebody who is your sole purpose is you're trying to set it up to where, you know, victims can't get the justice that they need, then you're a part of the problem. So I feel like that's important to say this wasn't targeting men. It was targeting the culture. And so I think that's really the problem. Yes, the, the part of the uh, Deb, the biggest part is the people committing the acts. And then, but there's another part of this where our culture is allowing these things to happen and people to get away with these things because their friends or their family members or whatever the case may be, or things that we say. I was just having an an, uh, an argument kind of about this. It's crazy that this just came up earlier today, but we were talking about Deshaun Watson and all the allegations for that and all the allegations coming out against that football player, Deshaun Watson. And it's like 18 women who have come forward on this guy, right? It's now and, 21. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, just add more to the list. Damn. So we're talking about this. And the first thing that comes out of my family member's mouth is, well, why are they just now saying something now? You know, why is it happening now of all times? Why didn't these people say anything when it first happened? And that right there, those kinds of attitudes, that's what they mean by rape culture. That's a part of it too. You know, this family member that I was talking to, he's never, well, hopefully he hasn't. I mean, God, I hope he hasn't. But he hasn't raped anyone or anything like that. But those kinds of attitudes, just right off the bat, the victim blaming mentality that some people tend to have, that adds to this. That is a part of this. So I think 
that is so important to say. And like, you hear a lot of these common phrases all the time. Uh, the, the whole thing you were saying, Sterling, about the quote unquote nice guy and that whole thing, that that was great. Like, it, it this kind of showed you that, man, sometimes the nice guy can be just as bad as the person who's blatantly out there doing it. The only difference is this person is more subtle. This person can be, um, you know, is hiding it or this person doesn't believe that what they're doing is wrong or whatever, or they have this view of themselves, but really what they're doing is deplorable. You know, the, what they're doing, this using alcohol to manipulate and try to trap and get these people in a place of vulnerability, that's, you're, you're part of the problem too. So no, you don't, you don't get to be a nice guy. You don't get to call yourself that just because you didn't actually do it or you didn't do it the way this guy did it or you 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 were just there but you didn't do it so you're okay. No, this is kind of like I said, turning that mirror on us and getting us to see that no, man, all of this is a part of this rape culture issue and it's those systemic attitudes and behaviors on that side of it too, that allows these kinds of things to continue. So I just, you know, you just reminded me of that as you were talking about that. Well, you, you, you brought up a good point with your family member saying like, well, why did it take so long for them to come forward? I feel like anybody that's ever said that or thought that they are essentially lucky enough to have never, never been dealt sexually with sexually assaulted. Yeah. It's incredibly hard to talk about. I mean, I know I brought up yeah. vaguely that I was when I was a kid, uh, when we did our hundredth episode, but I mean, I lucked out having a, you know, my dad being a police officer and stuff like that. And, you know, I was able to tell them when it happened or at least the last time I remember it happening, you know what I mean? So I at least had that. But even then, when I'm then a small child going through the court system and having to talk in front of a grand jury and having to talk to cops and not really understanding anything about sex, and I'm having to describe sexual things, that's a weird thing. And, you know, and then on top of that, though, when you are an adult and say you are blackout drunk and someone rapes you, you're then having to describe things you don't really remember. And hoping people believe you. And when you hear nothing but stories constantly about that happening and no one believing them, all you're thinking is they're not going to believe me either. So why, what incentive, what motivation do you have to actually come forward when you constantly feel like no one believes you? I felt that way as a kid and I remembered what happened to me. I remembered every bit of what happened to me. And I'm still sitting there going, who's going to believe me? Like I said, I lucked out that my parents did. But when I'm talking to the cop and I'm talking to the grand jury and all that other stuff, and I'm just sitting here thinking, who's going to believe what I'm saying? Because how many times as a kid do people not believe what you're saying? And I'm going up against all the time. an adult who's saying he didn't do it. And all I'm constantly thinking is, who's going to believe me? You know? And even on top of that, with how fucked up our criminal justice system is, even if they get convicted of something, it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be any real 
justice from it. The guy that sexually assaulted me was able to plead out and get probation. Never went to jail. I mean, that's sexual assault of a child. And he got straight probation. And I'm supposed to feel like there really is justice with this stuff. And other people are too. Yeah. You know. Damn, man. It's, it's, in, it's, the system is designed to completely demoralize victims in a lot of ways. And to help ensure that people aren't coming forward. There's one state, and I feel so bad for not remembering what state it is, but there's one state where the legislature is right now trying to pass a law to make it where it's no longer rape if you have sex with somebody that's passed out drunk. What? Because they feel like that's been ruining too many young men's lives. Like too many young men are becoming registered sex offenders for committing rape just because the girl was too drunk, you know, or that the girl could have said yes while drunk. But Minnesota, the, by the way. It, see, there you go. Which, of course, it's Minnesota right now. Of course it is. Right when you're in the middle of the George Floyd trial. Of course it's Minnesota doing that shit. Fuck off, Minnesota. <laughs> wow, man. I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. That's I mean, I thought disgusting. we had finally as a society accepted. I understand, like, part of this movie is that th that's exactly what happened to a woman. But, like, it was, it was essentially saying it was at least a few years back. I thought at least now in society... We had finally gotten to the point where, as a whole, in general, we had accepted the fact that if somebody was too too drunk, it doesn't matter if they say yes, that they're too, if they are too drunk, it's not actual consent. I thought we were there already. I thought we had finally gotten to that point where everybody had watched enough Law & Order SVU to understand that that's not something you should do. I thought we were there. And then I found out, like I said, apparently that it was Minnesota that wanted to pass that law and shit. Come the fuck on. And so then you watch this movie and you're like, oh, nope, still 100% relevant because, you know, as Justin said, the rape culture we have in our country is fucked. And not in a bad way. It's not fucked in a bad way because it's not like it's fucked and it's finally coming to an end. No, our country is fucked because of the rape culture. Yeah. I mean, if I can just, I just want to piggyback off that for just a second. Like a big part of it too is, yeah, a lot of reasons why people do not step forward sooner is for one, they might be afraid, you know, because like you're saying, like, what if they don't understand what's happening? Or, you know, if it's somebody that like you feel like you're going to be in more danger for saying it, or, you know, you just never know what the situation is. But the society that we live in has kind of made it be where, you know, everybody's going to question what you're saying. And I understand it's it's not something to take lightly when somebody is accused of something like that. But it's also not something to take lightly when somebody's saying it's happened either, you know. And, you know, I've known of situations where the person has told somebody that they trusted and somebody who would actually be able to do something about it and they chose not to. They chose not to because what would it look like to put this business out there? You know, it would be too hard for, you know, the person and their family if this came to light. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like a saying it sometimes isn't always the result you want either because you feel like you're still being silenced because of the taboo thing of what sexual assault is in general. And that could also be a reason why people don't step forward because maybe they've told somebody and they told them not to say anything. 
they said, you know what, we'll figure a way around it. Like we'll do whatever else, you know? And so sometimes they're not believed even when it's the truth. And that makes people very afraid to step forward with it. You know, I've known a few situations like that. And that can also be very hard when you feel like, again, with that whole line about, you know, nobody wants to make to admit when they've made themselves vulnerable. Same situation happens when you're explaining to somebody what's happened to you. That's a very vulnerable thing to happen to you. And for somebody to just not believe it does not help. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially whenever, like with what happened to me, I lucked out because I told my parents very shortly after it happened the same day. Okay. If I had gone to sleep and hadn't said anything or like had gone into the night without having said something, I don't know if I would have. Because then from that point on, when like, especially at night, I, that's where I developed my insomnia was as a small child after this, because I didn't know what was going on in a lot of these, the, the, what, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. Like I knew I talked to cops. I knew there was the grand jury, but I didn't really know anything else outside of that. And I was constantly afraid that this man that did that to me, that knew where I lived that, cause he was a family member. He knew where I lived. He knew exactly what bedroom was mine. I was constantly afraid that this man was going to come in at night and kill me. And that's where I developed horrible insomnia and the habit of sleeping only a few hours a night was as a small child because of this and because I didn't know what was going on. And so like with that, like if I, it had like gone in, if it had gone into night and I, you know, was in bed and stuff like that and then started having those feelings right then because I did develop those feelings that night, but I'd already told somebody. But if I hadn't told somebody by that point, I'd been too terrified to. Yeah. And, you know, and then, like I said, you just, or like you were saying, you just, everybody just expects, oh, it happened that like, you know, you just go to the police, like you had your fucking wallet stolen or some shit. You just go in, give a statement, you know, cancel your credit cards and move on with your life. Like, it's not the same shit, you know? And like with what happened to me, I was just more or less molested. I wasn't raped per se. I was just molested, but like there's, you know, if you're actually like raped and physically restrained or beaten or attacked while it happened and stuff like that, there's so much more trauma added on top of it Yeah. to then make you more afraid, you know? And then when you have people that have the attitudes that, oh, well, you were just drunk. So you were asking for it. Like Jesus Christ. Like I remember you used to hear that on stuff. Like I said, like on law and order and stuff like that, like they were asking for it and all this other stuff. And when you're younger, you don't really know what that means. And then like when you're older and in college and stuff like that, and you see these like, you know, these women getting insanely drunk and all this other stuff, it puts a different perspective on it for you because you're, you're seeing these situations in real life that in TV shows are the setup for something horrible to happen. And I don't know about like for you guys or anybody else, but like, I know for me seeing like those situations in real life play out. I'm not talking about somebody getting raped, but I'm just talking about it like a woman getting drunk at a party, you know, like everybody else, everybody else is doing it too. And just the idea that somebody could be sitting there going, that's my target. is right. like an incredibly weird thing to think that, I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing for them to think that, but I'm just saying like, when you hear that and then you see it in real life, you're like, 
it's a weird thought process that you're like, oh man, somebody thinks they're a target. And you're like, and you're just in your thinking like, what the fuck? Like, the, yeah. these, like these women can't just do the same things that everybody else is doing. You know, all the guys are sitting there getting fucking wasted. None of them are having to worry about getting raped. And don't get me wrong. That does happen. I, I know somebody that that did happen to a guy that got really drunk at a party and this woman more or less raped him. Like it's, it, it does go both ways in that. Like he was too drunk to consent, like had no idea. He woke up with this woman doing shit to him. And so you're kind of like, well, what the fuck? Like it, it rolls the same way. It's still the same thing of how do people just sit there and go, that's my target. Like what the fuck? And in, in going to what Justin was saying with the whole nice guy thing. And I think it, it showed that in a very unique way in this, this show. And I, I'm glad they did of the whole, like the, the Adam Brody character. Why was he considering yeah. himself a nice guy? Even though he was thinking the same thing those guys were, he wasn't the one saying it out loud. That's why he thought he was nice, is he wasn't saying the shit out loud. He was totally willing to yeah. do the same things, but just because he didn't say it out loud and like plan it as early as those guys did, he was supposed to be nice. Yeah, and that's the thing too, and like that is that's a huge thing about about it is like there is such a fine line between you know being charming and somebody you know trying to like you know sweet talk you or like be charming with you or whatever and then manipulating them because there there's just such a fine line between it to where they could easily cross that you know to where it becomes like they they think they're being charming enough to make you change your mind if you've already said no you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, this goes a lot into what we talked about in the off script episode, too, with that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. And just um, just uh, some of the stuff that you were talking about, like, um, you know, I've haven't experienced anything like that firsthand, but I definitely had a friend who went through it and I was there for a lot of it. And it was another family member. And. She just was so scared to talk to her family about it. And it just was crippling. And like the trauma and everything that she went through and the stuff that she would tell me about, like it was a very traumatic experience for her. So um, so anytime people get on that victim blaming type of stuff, I'm all I'm usually one of the first people if I hear it. I'm one and like it happened today. We got to arguing because I was like, well, no, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not into victim blaming. And I've known people who are victims and what they've gone through and different things like that. So no, I would never say anything about the timing. The, the it's got to be on their time. It's got to be they. If it happened to them, I don't care when they say something about it. If they say something about it, that's what we should be more concerned with, you know, yeah. not when it's just not not how or how come it took this long that that shouldn't be the the first thought that comes to our mind. But it often is, you know, for a lot of people. And like we said, all this stuff and then just that whole thing about getting girls drunk, getting them loosened up to where they might make a mistake or whatever the case may be. Or I can, you know, if I if we go out and we have a few drinks and they'll loosen them up, then maybe they'll be more willing to do this. It's just all of these acceptable behaviors. And that's what leads to this. You know, that's what leads to 
some of these things and some of these things happen to people. It's just all of these kinds of things that are just sort of ingrained into our society. And it's just really become a a part of your culture. And, And like, I'm glad that you talked about like, just the trauma of it and you and and Sterling and dealing with insomnia and stuff like that. And like, I think, and I guess one of the big complaints that I was hearing about this movie is that people were kind of bummed about the ending. So, I mean, we're in the spoiler section, so I guess I just blurt out and say it, but like, you know, this character winds up being a tragic hero and she dies. And so a lot of what I heard and of course, that scene was very unsettling. And that was, man, that was, that damn, was hard that to watch. Scene. Yeah. Damn, that scene was, I was like, okay. Um, okay. Like, <laughs> then yelling at the TV, minute, like, oh, then a stop minute or two it. later, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay. And I mean, I mean, I know that they say, like, when a person is strangled or suffocated or whatever, it can take about two and a half, three minutes, right? Like, I mean, obviously it could be shorter sometimes, but I know that the average time just from watching crime stuff is like, you know, a person can last three to five minutes and that can be, well, you know. There's also the difference in time from them passing out and actually dying, too. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. So, but I mean, this was, I mean, damn, that was tough to look at. But, 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 uh, And I get that people are, and what people are complaining about where they were like, man, I wish this character didn't die. She should have been alive. She should have just, you know, there are people like kind of picking it apart um, and saying things. And that was a big complaint I heard. I didn't like it because the character died, this, then, the other. But I really think that was very much the point. Like, I, I think it's easy to say if you don't understand victims or have never been a victim or anything like that, but your life changes. Like, I think that was kind of the underlying point that even though though those guys got, you know, some justice was brought to those people that, that did this, it took two people dying in order for this to get kind of the resolution that it got. But in a lot of situations like this, a part of you dies when this happens to you. That person before this trauma and what and this person becomes after this trauma can sometimes just be a completely different person. Like that person is never the same. At least that is what I hear from the majority of victims that have gone through this and stuff like that. And like the 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 person that I'm talking about who went through that with her family it has a happy ending. You know, she's married now and she's in a better place now. And she did eventually get those things out and overcome that. So, and you know, that, that, so that story had a happy ending, but even she would tell me in later conversations that I'm, I'm not the same person that I was. It completely changed me. It was like a part of me died that day that it happened. And that's what this does to you. It changes you. It, it You're never the same. Whether the perpetrators get brought to justice or not, there's still this whole other fight, like, with trauma. And in a lot of ways, that person that you were dies, and there's this other person. So I'm not going to say I like the fact that she died, but I understand why this character needed to die, you know? Because it's... because. That's 
part of, I think, what it feels like to be a victim. That is what the victims go through. You know, they, even if some sort of justice is attained, even if some sort of happiness is attained, that person is never the same after something like this. So I just wanted to kind of really attack that. Like if there are people out there that watch this and you're like, man, I want the character to be alive. Like, sure, I get it. From Maybe from a narrative standpoint, you're thinking, man, I just want that happy ending because this is a movie and I just want that happy ending. But when you look deeper, I think this needed that tragic ending because this is often tragic for victims. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you expect because it's a revenge film that she's going to live, you know? So, yeah. No, that's very true. I mean, I could see why some people... I like. I had issues with some other parts of this movie that I kind of wish, I just wish some of the other things were explained a little more. Like I was very curious as to what her color coding system was in her little journal. Like what was the difference between red and black? And yeah, I know that's a small part. I'm just curious. Like I want to know what that meant. I also kind of wanted to know a little bit more as to what happened to Nina. I know it heavily applies, implies that she committed suicide but I kind of wish it was a little bit more definitive, you know, if was it that she just committed suicide or was like, did she get into like drugs and alcohol and OD or something? I just kind of wish they had more directly said what happened just to kind of more solidify the main character's motivations. I know that they're very much there without that. I just wanted it to be a little bit more of a, like a keystone element. Like just, uh, you know, that like a brick in the wall type of thing where it just more solidifies it. I just think that would have helped a little bit more, especially because it's not like this movie didn't have dialogue. <laughs> like it was there. I feel like they could have put it, especially whenever he, she was visiting Molly, you know, Molly Shannon, who was her friend's mom. I just think that there should have been something there. But like I said, that is me getting like nitpicky with, but it was just one of those things worth watching it. I am curious about those things. So I kind of wish those explanations were there. No, I definitely get that. Um, and I and I see what you're talking about uh, narratively, yeah, with a friend, Nina. But I wrote down something, and I just wondered if y'all had an opinion on this. But do you think that maybe some of that might have been kind of purposely? Because we never really get—we don't get to see what Nina looks like, do we? No. Not, not as an adult, up. no. They, they show yeah. her as a kid, but never as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get to see what she looks like as an adult, and there's not, like, a lot of details and things like that. And I wonder if maybe it was an artistic choice because that could be any victim. Like, it's kind of like, you know, whatever you imagine that victim is, whatever victim you know, whatever, you know, maybe that victim is you. So maybe what she looked like, her appearance, what happened to her it matters less than the fact that it happened to her. You know what I mean? I wonder if that maybe was an artistic choice to kind of add to the allegory. Not saying that you're wrong or that knowing those things wouldn't have helped the narrative because, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm big on show me, don't tell me. But I wonder if that was the artistic choice there, you know? Yeah, I kind of... I. I I get your point with that, and I do think it was an artistic choice. 
um, just because I think there's so much throughout this movie that plays into the idea of people don't even remember her. Like you even hear Ryan being like, yeah, weren't you and Madison and that other girl all good friends? And like, you know, just people that didn't even remember her. And the fact that she was like, I don't even know the last person, last time somebody probably said her name. And I think it's playing into the fact of people don't even remember who she is except for her best friend, you know? And I think that that was an artistic choice for a reason because they, they want, I think they wanted to be vague and they wanted to have that suspense of like, what actually happened to her, you know? And like, you know what I mean? So I think that that was on purpose because I think it's, it's kind of driving home that point of, you know, it's a thing that happened to a girl at her college one time, but to people who know her and to the people who, who cared about her, they remember everything like Cassie. So that's what I think though. Yeah. And how many victims, how many people does this happen to? And it never gets reported. It never, Yeah. nobody ever cares. Nobody even remembers or these people live and die and this stuff happens and you never find out about it. Or when we find out years later and all this time that happened and nobody ever said anything or, you know, just how many times, how many times do people get drunk and have house parties and this, that, and the other, and all of this kind of stuff, you know, how many times must this have happened and went unreported or these people got forgotten about or nobody really thought anything of it, but these people still suffer. They live and they die. They go through this trauma, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. I think that I I, I just want to believe, who knows, maybe it wasn't, but I want to believe that that was part of it. You know, I have to believe it. (laughs) And, and, And that is fine. Like I said, as far as like it being like something I wish was there, it obviously the movie works without it. Like I said, that's just something I wish personally was in it. Like, I really want to know what her whole color code thing was in her journal. I really want to know what that was with the red and the black. Like, why did she code some people red and some people black? You know what I mean? And I was, yeah, I did read a little bit about that where, um, it, it, I don't think it, I mean, it's obviously never really explained, but it has something to do with like how they respond to her. Like when she's doing her little game of pretending to be drunk. I think it just has, it has something to do with like the responses that they give to the situation, but that's all I saw about it. And and maybe it was, it's just, I was kind of confused as to why Adam Brody's character was black, but uh, Christopher Mintz plots, his character was red. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like they had the same reactions, you know, yeah. that's why I'm just curious. I mean, I say that yet with the Adam Brody character, they don't truly go into his reaction once he's truly caught, it does cut off very shortly. Yeah. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I was really not liking the scene when it goes into her eating whatever the fuck she was eating when she was walking home, like dripping the red whatever it was down everything and mm-hmm. like implying that he she killed him or whatever or, you know, blood or, you know, all this other stuff. I didn't like that aspect of it because A, just who eats like that? Like she had whatever <laughs> red substance was on I couldn't even tell what she was eating, but whatever it was, she had like red dripping down her forearm. Who does that? It's weird. I understand it was like an Mm -hmm. artistic choice, but I just found that very weird. And it was just like, I just was having like kind of a problem connecting with that whole scene at first. 
And I, I was glad that all that happened very early in the movie. Because I was like, oh, am I going to have a hard time connecting with this movie because of weird choices like that? And it really then goes away from that. And, I, you know, then I was fine. But I was just like, oh, are they going to do weird shit like that? And just constantly take me out of the movie. And, I, you know, have problems really flowing with it because of it. But I'm glad they didn't. But it was just weird. Like, I guess, I, I mean, we've been kind of just all randomly going back and forth. Uh, what are some other thoughts you guys have? I mean... Yeah, I um I mean just a couple of things that I I didn't really like about it are just I do feel like some of the reactions or like emotions of some of the characters was a little either uneven or like off or something. Like for example, when Cassie goes to visit her to go visit Nina's old house where where her parents still live, you know, and her mom was just like, and I get it because it's like, you know, it's hard to see somebody who was like best friends with your daughter and everything that happened. But it was just a very cold and weird response to somebody who like clearly she's still dealing with it and she she just wanted to come by. And like, I, just, I just feel like it was weird for her mom to be like, you need to stop coming by and you need to move on. Like, I just thought that was a very weird thing for the mom to say to the girl's best friend since they were kids. You know, I just thought that was a very odd reaction to it. Like, I get it because it's like, you know, we don't want to keep being reminded of what happened. But it's just very weird because, like, for a mom to say that to, like, her her child's best friend, I thought that was kind of odd. And then, um, like, I guess also the, like, whenever Cassie finds out that Ryan was there the night that whatever happened to Nina happened, and he was, I guess, filming it or whatever you know, like confronting him about that. The, there was some slight weird reaction to it because like literally right before that they had discussed how, you know, they were falling in love with each other and like they were in this really like happy place and all this stuff. And then she finds that out. And then, you know, she's just kind of like, well, I can't forgive you for this. And he, you know, and, and I, I understand like, that's like a hard thing to find out that the person you love was involved with something like that. But I do think that it was such a quick change around of like, nope. And they're both just very much, you know, even him being like, well, you know what? You're a failure and all this stuff. And just very quickly turned from the I'm falling in love with you to like, I don't actually care at all about you from both ends of it. (laughs) And I just thought that was a very quick turnaround. And I don't I just feel like when you actually love somebody, it's not just an easy switch like that, you know, I get that the subject matter is really heavy and it's like an important thing to obviously you, you're not going to be okay with it no matter what. But I just feel like she she or he really didn't even have conflict about like that relationship ending. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like and and I guess I just also, you know, I do feel like there was a lot of characters here where they tried to show that they were like reformed or different than they used to be like Ryan's character who you know, technically didn't do anything, but he did because he was there and he saw what was happening and did nothing about it. And you want to believe, like Sterling was saying, that he's this good guy and you want to root for him. And even when he's pleading with her and he's just like, you know what, like that was a long time ago and I'm not the same person. And, but then it turns out like this next scene later, he is the same person. And that was such a letdown. Because, you know, the cop comes to him and he's just like, no, I have no idea why she would be there. And like, 
you know, finding out that she was actually killed and like not saying anything about it and going to this wedding and just kind of more being like, oh, what's about to go down than like actually concerned that the woman he loved is now dead at the hands of his friends. You know, I just feel like it was just very odd reactions to those things, which maybe it was on purpose, you know, like with some of the other stuff. But that was just kind of and then even with um, the dude who actually raped Nina and <laughs> ends up killing Cassie, like they try to make it seem like he's this different guy because he's like, no, I don't want strippers at my bachelor party. And I'm so in love with this woman. And basically it just makes you feel like they try to make you think that he's a different person. And again, he turns out to be the same. He turns out to be not a good person. And really the only person who actually did seem to fully, truly change and like, you know, have some kind of epiphany, as he said in the movie was um, Alfred Molina's character. Like he legitimately actually did think on his actions and recognize what he did and actually seemed to have changed from it. And I think that was also the first person that really kind of got through to Cassie to kind of show her like, you know what, people can change, you know, and not that it's ever an excuse, but just like, I think that was the first person that got through to her to be like, you know what, like, getting revenge on everybody is not needed because there are some people who truly actually have seen the results of their terrible choices. And, um, you know, I just kind of like, I'm glad that they did show at least one character who truly was like changed. <laughs> it just kind of sucked that the people you think or the people they try to make you think actually have changed into these other people completely turn out to be the exact same. And I know that that was also on purpose, but yeah, that was just kind of a letdown because I was like, oh, man, like you you psych it out like a few times thinking, oh, this is actually like a good person now. And then they're not really at all, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was just a couple of things that were just a little bit a little bit off, I would say, about the film. But um, but I mean, for the most part, it's just more of um, like I, I think that um, with the whole ending of it and everything that happened, like it clearly shows that she wasn't going to at all be surprised by whatever happened when she went to that cabin, you know, like she had studied guys like this enough and her, her book of notes enough and whatever else enough to really be able to tell like this could really go either way. And that is something I did like because she was like, you know, she didn't fully know what was going to happen, obviously, but she prepared for the worst because she didn't trust these guys at all, which was for the best, apparently. And I think that that was kind of a cool, you know, after note to put about it where she was like, no, I planned this out. Like if you, if I don't return and if you don't hear from me and if I disappear, you're going to know why, you know, because she just fully knew and could tell how these guys were going to be and what might possibly happen with her confronting them like this. So I thought that that was like a really interesting thing to put in it. And um, and I just think that it was also kind of an interesting. I actually kind of liked the fact that they didn't always really give you all the details like about what happened to Nina, how she actually died and all these things like the mystery surrounding that. I think it was an interesting artistic choice, but it worked because throughout the whole movie, you're like, OK, are we going to find out? Are we going to find out? But you're not really let down that you don't really get the full details. At least I wasn't fully let down by it because 
it's really heavily implied. And I just think that it was, you know, not knowing up front what actually happened and just kind of seeing the transformation and the the processing that Cassie's doing throughout the movie about what's happening as she's still trying to get the revenge on the people who wronged her and all that stuff. It's it's interesting because the less you know, the more these revenge plots kind of make sense as to like what she's trying to do with them. And I do think it was also an interesting choice, like we said, about how there's not really a ton of violence. I mean, there is some, but it's more the psychological type of revenge, like making Connie Britton's character think that her daughter was actually in danger and making um, Allison Bree's character think that she had actually gotten too drunk and might have been raped. Like, that was the type of revenge that she was seeking out, not actually having them be harmed, but making them realize, like, hey, when it's yourself or someone you care about, that's the only time it matters to you, and that's not okay. And I just think that it was an interesting touch and kind of a cool touch to make it more of like a psychological type of revenge that she was getting as opposed to a I want to kill everybody type of revenge. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting aspect. And honestly, in seeing the trailer for this movie, I actually thought that, I mean, it just made it seem like it was actually her that was the victim. It made it seem like she was trying to get revenge on people based on what had happened to her instead of her friends. So I just thought that that was like an interesting little thing that like, you know, from the trailer, it tells you what's going to happen or what the, what plays out, but not fully. So I also like that in any trailers or anything like that, I don't really feel like they gave anything away. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many things here that they touch on, like about, I mean, when she meets with Alison Bree's character and she's just like, you know, why would we believe her? Like she would sleep around and all these things. There's that element of, so we just don't believe people because they have sex with people, you know? And then there's the element of, um, you know, the Dean not even remembering who she is and kind of being like, I don't want to ruin this guy's life, but not even caring about what happened to the girl, you know? And just, there's so many different elements of reactions people have to victims that, it's it's very important, but it was very good how they put all of that in this film where kind of all sorts of reactions. And then there's the, you know, I mean, her boyfriend, Ryan, um, you know, him just being like, I didn't really do anything, though. Like, I didn't touch her. I didn't do anything, you know, and just really trying to make excuses for himself. And just like these are circumstances and situations that people have all the time, like just the different types of reactions that people have to when somebody is assaulted or raped. These are all the different types of responses that you get from people. And it shows why, like, it's a problem. And it shows why people are afraid to be honest when things like that happen. And why, kind of like how Justin said earlier, things like that change you. Like, this was a promising young woman, right? They both were. They had their whole lives ahead of them, their careers ahead of them. Something like this can destroy and devastate your soul and completely change you as a person. And that was just something that like, you feel like the characters that kind of were players in this whole thing that happened, 
completely didn't factor in that it's human being. They were just more like, let's tiptoe around, like, let's just make sure we're covered from a legal standpoint or whatever. And they forget about the fact that it was an actual human being. So I just think that the way they really touched on all of those things was really smart because each of those things have been reactions that people have and reasons why it needs to be talked about because people can go into a deep depression. People can be really hurt. Other people outside of just the person that was hurt are affected by this. And it just, it's something that needs to be talked about. And I really love that they, they made that very clear throughout this entire movie about that. And while it didn't have a perfect ending or the happy ending, really, it was just, there was something cool about her knowing that it might not turn out the way she wanted, but she was damn sure going to make sure that people knew what happened to her friend regardless. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. She had a contingency plan, which is why this was totally giving me like comic book kind of superhero-y Batman-y vibes. Like I, I almost felt like this could totally be an alternate universe type of comic book miniseries where, you know, instead of it being Batman and his parents got murdered, you have maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Batgirl and she had a mom she was close to and her mom after some sort of horrible, like sexual assault, and, you know, the, you know, maybe bad girl wasn't there to witness it, but you know, her mom passed away shortly after that trauma and stuff like that. And then she makes this vow, you know, I'm going to try to do something about the people and that do this and the people that allow these things, these things to happen. I want to try to stop this. Like you could almost see this being something like that, like the way she went about teaching these lessons. And like you said, not hurting people in that way, but getting them to experience what her friend must have felt like. And that was almost yeah. like that, 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 you know, that was kind of like the hero stopping the crime or getting the villain and teach and, you know, making them, you know, it was, it was sort of like that, but it was her own way of doing it with this subject matter and stuff like that. And then at the end, that contingency plan was totally on some Batman, Batgirl type stuff. Like if there was ever a hero, if they ever did a book or a mini series about a character that does this, like what this character was doing. Um, Cassie, I want to say is her name, right? That's the name of the... Yeah. Yes. Like if there was a character, if this was a book, you know, called Cassie, and it was about this vigilante... A graphic novel. Yeah, graphic novel about this vigilante woman that does this and like tries to do this. I would, I think I would read the hell out of this. Like it would be right. very educational and like... There were so many things that you could say about like like we like we talked about rape culture and this, that, and the other, and stuff like that, but yeah, I think that's why she was a tragic hero like because that because she did like you said, promising young woman didn't deserve this should have had better, didn't deserve how this played out, but that that is the reality of people who are victims. They don't deserve this, but it happens. And all of them, 
were potentially promising people before this happens, and then their lives are altered forever. And that doesn't mean they still can't obviously accomplish great things. And obviously she did do something great. She had a contingency plan there and she was able to bring those people to justice. But still, man, it's just yeah. that whole allegory about the victims and that they don't deserve this. They don't deserve to be forgotten about. They don't deserve to lose their lives. They don't deserve to have this happen to them. And our culture kind of perpetuate these behaviors to protect the the people who victimize and not the victims. So I just think all of that was just so wonderful. And then on top of that, just other things that I liked about it or other things that stood out to me was just that it had this very colorful kind of, you know, it had this colorful cinematography. It was very like artistic and kind of bright and everything like that. And it was a great kind of contrast, I think, for what is very dark subject matter. And, you know, it, it just kind of worked. Um, and they would do kind of little artistic things like that constantly. Like whenever, after she, Cassia died, and the two guys were, uh, you know, burning the body and everything, and there's this song playing, and I was listening to the lyrics of that, and I don't know what, what the song was. I didn't recognize the artist, but when the body is, when Cassie's body is burning and they're both there looking at it or whatever, there's a part of that song, and it was like, you know, this is a man, the, the singer was saying, this is a man who tries, and this is a man that you forgive and help and you protect as long yeah. as you live. And dude, that was... That was just so telling, man. Like, like that was chilling. That line about this is a man that you protect and this is a man that you forgive and that you have to save um, for the rest of your life. I mean, that's and, and it's crazy because that's what we're doing, you know, and, and we've got to do better. We've got to do better. We're protecting these people. We're we're protecting these people, and we're getting about the people that are suffering. So, I mean, all of that was just so well encapsulated in the film. Yeah, and just kind of one more thing too, because it's something a little bit that Sterling had mentioned earlier too about like, um, just I don't know, just something about how. It, it just it affects other people than just the one person who was directly the victim. And I think that this movie also touches on just so many people telling Cassie like, hey, you need to move on from this. You need to let it go. All these things. And it's just kind of also like a, a stigma that the people have. It's like when you're dealing with grief or PTSD or depression or anxiety or things like that. It's like there. Why should there be this time frame on how long that takes you to be just completely done with? Because, I mean, it's going to come and go. It's going to ebb and flow in in waves. Sometimes of sometimes you really feel this, and sometimes you're okay, and that's normal. And I just there's this stigma that people have sometimes about like. You know, okay, so that's something that happened to your friend a long time ago. So you should probably move on from it. And it's like, but I mean, why? You know, it's it's just one of those where it's just like telling somebody that they shouldn't be sad about something that happened to somebody they care about. 
And that's just like a really bad stigma that people give about victims of anything, that there should be like a, you know, a time clock on how long they have to be upset and grieved about what's happened to them or someone they know. So, yeah, good point. Um, good point. I was like, somebody good. Is he going to talk? Is he going to talk? I thought Sterling was going to chop in, but no, no, but that's a, a very good point. Um, and it kind of just reminds me, like, like there's just so much here. And like what we were talking about earlier with these guys who uh, say they're nice or they've changed and stuff like that. And it just kind of shows like how systemic it all is. You know, it's kind of similar to kind of how you have to look at racism in this country, too. Right. Like it's sim- it's on a similar wavelength with just our cultural behaviors, like how you can have a person and they can be like, no, nah, man, I'm not. You know, I'm not racist or anything like that. But if you're like, you, you know, until the su- the certain thing happens and then they're like, well, but when it comes to this, yes, I believe that stereotype. Or when it comes to this, I can do that. You know, they're they're OK until this thing happens. And then then you kind of find out who the person really is. They're nice to you. Everything, you know, it, a great example was in um um one night in Miami. That whole example with um, what we saw with the football player at the beginning where, you know, him and the guy was so proud of him and you're from my town and, oh, man, you broke all these records. And then then the moment when he was going to come into the house and help him, he couldn't come into the house. And then it's like, oh, damn, now I really know who you are. And this to me, gave me similar vibes. Like you had these guys and they were like, I'm a good guy or I've changed or this, then the other. But when push came to shove, it was more about protecting me than it was about the person who I know got victimized, who I know was probably killed when she went at that place. But when it, when push comes to shove, what are we? When push comes to shove, what are you? Are you targeting women whenever you go out to these places and stuff? Are you getting people drunk and targeting them? What does that really make you? If you're if you were somebody who witnessed this or somebody who did something like this, what does that really make you? If you're somebody who doesn't believe victims and you victim blame and you don't and you're not looking at all sides of the story and you're not and you're forgetting about those people and so bent on hell bent on protecting these people that are accused that you forget about the people who went through it and went through the trauma and stuff like that. These attitudes, these things that we just say that just so easily fly off the tongue, like why did it take so long? Or, oh, she was asking for it. Or, oh, you know, why does she dress like that? Why does he, whatever that is, what I like how this is like, what does that really make you? Or is that really a good thing to think? Is that, or is this really the kind of person you want to continue to be, you know? And so that that's why this movie is just so incredibly important because it just touches on all of those subtle things. And now things, that's the way things are. You can meet a person and they can be charming and this, that, and the other, and this, that, and the other, but it it only takes one instance sometimes to find out or one thing or one opinion or one kind of way, seeing the way that person thinks to really find out like who they are and where they stand. And I think 
that's the important thing this movie was saying too is like what side are you going to be on of this <laughs> like what side of this are you going to continue yeah. to be on are you going to continue to be on the side that says these things and victim blames and does this. And are you going to continue to be that person that's trying to get people drunk? So maybe they'll loosen up and all this other stuff. Uh, what side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side that supports these victims that tries to do something about this culture that has perpetuated these behaviors are so long. So I think this movie is like, you got to pick a side, you know, what are we going to do about this? And that's just incredibly important. No, I was actually just letting you guys talk since I felt like I talked so much at the beginning of this. Oh, so okay. I, jumping in. I just want to make sure, you know, you guys got your chance too. I mean, to, to touch base on some of the things that like Heather said with some of the stuff was like, like with the attitudes of some of the people, like I was actually more understanding of those, like Molly Shannon's character being the mom and stuff. I was just very understanding of that because maybe it's like she got to the point where she finally can move on with her life. And then having Cassie over was just making that too hard to stay in that place. And I get that. I understand how it's tough and might seem wrong, but I kind of get that. I also kind of got the attitudes of Cassie and Ryan's characters when she confronted him because like when she found out that he was there, she just went back to her old mode, like right away, you know, as like her self-defense mechanism that she's been using to cope for so long anyway. So I understand her mm -hmm. transition very much going back to that. But then like Ryan's, like, I understand when he was like, then he changed very quickly. Well, his became kind of like a whole self-defense, self-preservation thing, you know, cause he's like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Like I wasn't there. Like, and then all of a sudden he hears his own voice and he's like, well, fuck, I'm caught. And then she's like, well, you're part of it too. And he's like, no, I'm not. I didn't, you know what I mean? So he goes in that, so he just gets defensive. And then when she says something about sending it to his like coworkers and he's just like, whoa, you know, like now he's thinking about his job. He's not even thinking about any of that other stuff. He's just in self-defense, self-preservation mode. And I think that that's why he's lashing out and then being like, oh, well, you know, like a failure like you type of situation. And then like with the whole thing of like, not wanting to admit anything when the cops came by and all this other stuff. Cause like, then it points some of the fingers at him with some of that stuff. And like I said, he was just all about self-preservation, which, you know, is a slightly understandable thing that anybody when you like, cause he thought he was a good guy, regardless of what actual like reality is. He thought he was one. So now he's being confronted with evidence and being called not one, you know, he doesn't want to admit that to himself. A lot of people don't want to ever admit that to them to, to themselves. So like, I got mm -hmm. some of that aspect of it, you know, I mean, I will say this, like with the whole Alfred Molina thing and being like a lawyer and stuff like that, like as shitty as it sounds, like even people that are rapists and stuff like that, they do deserve a criminal defense. Like, you know, it's just whether or not the lawyer then, you know, makes their defense about blaming the victim instead of defending what, you know, their client and actually like, you know, picking apart the law itself and targeting different aspects of that, the investigation and the way the police handle thing. It's whenever they go and just attack the victim. Like that's the defense is let's attack the victim. And like that part of it, 
I don't want to say is the shitty part of it because realistically speaking, that is their job because they are supposed to like in most canons of law and stuff like that. It is, they are supposed to zealously, zealously, how the fuck you say that word? Like defend their client. You know, they're supposed to do whatever they can to defend their client within the boundaries of the law. You know, if they know their client did it, they can't have their client take the stand and say they didn't do it. You know, they can't knowingly let their client commit perjury or certain things like that. But, you know, they are supposed to do what they can. And I do understand that as shitty as it is, you know, that is one of the negative things about our criminal justice system that in a way is slightly necessary because if you don't allow a criminal to be defended, you know, in the best possible way, you're going to get more innocent people in jail. We already have a problem with that. You're just going to get more. And, but I liked the come to Jesus moment that Alfred Molina had of, well, yes, that was his job. And yes, he was good at it. And yes, he did this and that. He realized the other price of that, of while, yes, he is doing what he's supposed to do and all this other stuff. There's a cost. And that when it came down to it, he was no longer willing to pay that cost, which was the dignity and the, the civility of the victims that his tactics were destroying. And so I appreciated that where there is that aspect of, well, yes, he was doing what he was supposed to do as shitty as that sounds that on a human level, he couldn't handle doing that anymore. And so I actually really appreciated his character in this movie with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and our hero forgave him. You know, so that was also important, too. She heard that, saw that he was serious about that, saw that he really wanted to atone and try to be better and everything like that. And she did forgive him, you know. She believed him, So I think, yeah, she believed him and forgave him. And I think that that's why that that whole view of this is just man-hating and all of this kind of stuff like that. Th- there was a guy in here that that's the evidence against that view of this movie. There was a guy in here that was complicit in some of this stuff and kind of helped perpetuate so, what happened to some of these victims and atoned and was forgiven by our female character. So people are not beyond forgiveness, but the worst people are the people who, like Sterling was saying, they think they're good people. They don't, they don't, and maybe they are hiding. Maybe it is self-preservation. Yes, that stuff is definitely there. But then there are those people who just, those people that continue to lie about it, though. They continue to just, whether, regardless of what the motives are, they continue to tell themselves that what they're doing is okay or that they are not the bad people. And I think those people are the problem, male and female, all over the place, you know. But yeah, I was happy that there was a character in there that 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 atoned and got forgiven, you know, well, and was a big part of the solution as well, you know. Well, it's like if the Ryan character had said, you know, you're absolutely right. I was there, you know, I saw what happened. And at the time, I didn't realize truly what was happening like I knew what was happening but didn't truly realize what it actually was and you know since then I have realized what that means and what that is 
and you know and how that was wrong and how I was wrong with how I acted and all this other stuff. I, you know, there could have been a different outcome. I'm not saying she would have stayed with him, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's whenever yeah. it became the whole, well, let me justify what I did is why it, you know, he was a problem, especially with her. Like I said, I don't think they would have stayed together after that, but it's like she wouldn't have targeted him, targeted him anymore. You know, if he had actually accepted what he had done was wrong instead of, well, let me justify it by saying this and this. Yeah. And that was the biggest problem she had with people like that. Uh, You know, she wasn't always up against the part, the, the part, the actual perpetrator, but it was all those types of things and people not, like you said, not willing to look inward and say that just like with the Dean, when the Dean said, you know, nobody wants to admit when they make themselves vulnerable. And then they would always have Cassie kind of say something like, okay, so you believe it's her fault then, you know, like she would say things to these characters to kind of be in that voice against that kind of in a way implying that, come on, why, you know, this view, this is not, the right view you should have, or this is not the right view I believe you should have. You know, the, she was that kind of, she would always react when somebody would say something like that or something that was kind of that, you know, she she would always kind of have a reaction to those things. Well, you it, know, it's kind of like with the Alison Brie character. She gave her so many chances to like admit what happened was wrong. And kept mm-hmm. giving her chances to acknowledge what happened was wrong and the character wouldn't bite. Yep. Yeah. Or, or when he's like, oh, I was just a kid or, well, you know, just stuff you hear people say, like, I was just a kid. And then she, and then like how she would be like, if somebody tells me that I was a kid one more time, I swear, if I hear that one more time, like, you know, she would have her reactions to that. To that bullshit, you know? And so that that's kind of why, like, I really think a part of this was like, what side are you going to be on? Are you really going to look inward? Are you really going to say, okay, this is bullshit. And I've been, and, 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 and these are shitty thoughts that I have. These are shitty things that I'm doing. Like, stop bullshitting about this. Let's be real about this, man, because- Look what's happening to people. So, yeah, that that was totally in there. And, yeah, you're right. Every time she heard some some bullshit, she always would react or she would kind of, you know, you could see it. And that was just great acting, too, by Mulligan. You could see it in her face. You could see it in the way she would. Sometimes her body language would change. The tone of how she was like, just the way she was listening to the person would change. And you're right, dude. She would give them chances. She would. She she would say something trying to lead them in the right way. And some people just wouldn't bite. They, they don't want to believe they're that person, you know? Very complex movie. You guys got any more thoughts? No. I'm good. Well, on that note, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where we're cinema underscore or we're cinema slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers. Um, if you can give us a five star rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. it. Really helps us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, especially like I said before, tell your mothers, 
because mothers just love me and my just innocent way of saying things. Also, shout out to Plug Migo for our new theme song. And uh, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight, just like maybe this movie could be, is a Best Picture winner. What's your Somebody answer again? Oh, that's right. Nobody knows anything but you. You fight the tears that ain't coming. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Your Cinema Slayer. Everything Slayer. feels like the movies. Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive. And I don't want the world to see me. How do you actually know these words? Like, how do you actually know these words? Because you were saying when words at the beginning of this back to back that I don't even think the Goo Goo Dolls know. I just want you to know who I am. It's pretty Sounds close. Sterling. The right lyrics. I have no idea. I just know the main part.